So the question is to explain the cardiovascular effects of central neuraxial blockade. The mechanism of neuraxial block is that local anaesthetics antagonize the voltage-gated sodium channels, which therefore impair um, nervous signals from being transduced. Um, the two main types of neuraxial blockade are epidural blocks and intrathecal blocks. An epidural block will block the spinal nerve roots, dorsal more so than ventral because of the larger surface area of the dorsal group, as well as the dorsal root ganglion and the paravertebral sympathetic chain. In the intrathecal um, block, there'll be a blockade of the spinal cord as well as the spinal nerve roots and the um, dorsal root ganglion as well. The direct effect of neuraxial blockade on, this, on the uh, cardiovascular system is predominantly due to an impairment of tonic sympathetic nervous system activity. Overall, this results in hypotension, which is proportional to the height of the block in terms of vertebral levels and also the drug dose that's delivered. There's then an inability or a reduced ability to, produce, to compensate for this um, through normal mechanisms. So that is as a result of impairment of hormonal responses, um, which occurs due to blockade of the adrenal catecholamine release by blocking the thoracolumbar sympathetic fibers, which supply the adrenal cortex and medulla, as well as blockade of, uh, of a neural response, particularly if there's a high block, which is probably a bit less relevant. The issues with having this bilateral sympatholysis is um, essentially that it can be quite dangerous in terms of blood pressure for patients who are hypovolemic. Um, so for example, the most common population that we would do this in would be the obstetric population. You'd get dehydration um, in prolonged labor, which further increases the chance of, um, of reduction in systemic blood pressure as a result. Then there's also cases where patients have a fixed cardiac output state. So for example, there's a, high, there's a need for a high afterload in aortic stenosis, um, and then by dropping cardiac output, um, by causing essentially decreased preload and decreased afterload, you can then get quite significant drop-offs in, um, uh, in systemic perfusion. Um, and there's also other patients who are susceptible to left ventricular outflow tract obstruction, for example, patients with hypertrophic obstructive cardiomyopathy. So the normal cardiovascular sympathetic nervous system innovation um, occurs in a, essentially a three-step pathway. So there's a premotor cell, which originates from the rostral ventrolateral medulla. Um, the neuron comes from the RVLM um, and then uh, synapses with a neuron that will, uh, using a nicotinic acetylcholine receptor, will then synapse with a neuron, which is the preganglionic cell, um, which travels in the spinal cord in the lateral horn in a column called the intermediolateral column, or the IML. And that will travel in the spinal cord from um, C7 to T6, um, but the main levels are T1 to 4. That neuron will then synapse with another neuron in the, uh, with another postganglionic cell at another nicotinic acetylcholine receptor, um, which will then travel in the sympathetic chain um, and then give fibers directly to the organ of action. So the organ will either be um, smooth muscle, vascular smooth muscle, where at an alpha-1 G-protein coupled receptor, there'll be vasoconstriction, or at a beta-2 GPCR, there'll be vasodilation, um, and then can also travel directly through the, um, the cardiac sympathetic plexus to the beta-1 uh, receptors in the heart to increase heart rate, contractility, 
and can also travel down to the kidneys and act on the beta-1 receptors in the kidneys to increase renin release. So the two main direct effects of central neuraxial blockade can be broken down into vascular and cardiac effects. The vascular effects are vasodilation and venodilation. So vasodilation, so arterial dilation, will decrease systemic vascular resistance and as a result will decrease mean arterial pressure. However, this is less important because there is good autoregulation, intrinsic tone of the arterioles which will allow them to maintain MAP um, and perfuse vital organs. However, the venodilation will be much more significant because there's less intrinsic tone of, there's less intrinsic venous tone in that system. So you get a reduction in mean systolic filling pressure, a reduction in venous return, subsequent decrease in cardiac output, and a decrease in MAP. So that's the vascular effects of neuraxial blockade. Then there's the cardiac effects. So the cardiac effects will occur if neuraxial blockade occurs in the uh, spinal cord at the levels of T1 to 4, which is where the cardioaccelatory fibers particularly live, um, and they will cause a decrease in heart rate and contractility. Now there's also a few compensatory mechanisms. So there is the neural mechanism, which occurs within seconds, and that occurs uh, via the high pressure baroreceptors, which sense a decrease in mean arterial pressure, which results in a decrease in stretch at the baroreceptors, so the baroreceptors have a decreased firing rate, and as a result, they will reduce the tonic inhibition of the sympathetic nervous system, which will result in tachycardia, increased contractility, venoconstriction in an attempt to improve preload, and vasoconstriction in an attempt to improve afterload. Then there's also um, hormonal changes which occur within minutes, um, and these are mainly the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone renin system, as well as um, ADH, which together act to cause vasoconstriction um, and sodium and water reabsorption from the tubules. Um, so the vasoconstriction occurs as a result of angiotensin 2, um, and then from the RAS system there's sodium and water reabsorption um, as a result of the actions of angiotensin 2. ADH will also cause water reabsorption from the collecting ducts by stimulating the, v, the V1 receptors, um, which then um, allow for placement of aquaporin 2 on the apical membrane to allow for water reabsorption in the collecting ducts. There's also a decrease in atrial natriuretic peptide, which will decrease natriuresis and therefore improve blood volume by avoiding salt excretion. There's also a couple of special reflexes. So the first special reflex is called the Bezold jarish reflex, and that occurs because there's essentially decreased venous return and decreased systemic vascular resistance. So then the left ventricle is contracting whilst it's underfilled. Um, and that actually causes an increase in stretch and an increase in force with which the left ventricle needs to contract, which is interpreted by some fibers in the left ventricle, which are unmyelinated C fibers, which then increase parasympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system output, which causes a significant reduction in heart rate, as well as um, hypotension and coronary vasodilation. So the second reflex is the reverse Bainbridge reflex, which occurs as a result of decreased venous return, which in turn decreases right atrial stretch, which then directly increases parasympathetic tone um, and will decrease heart rate via the AV node. And that's everything. So in summary, 
that is normal cardiovascular sympathetic nervous system innervation, which goes down essentially from the RVLM into the preganglionic cells in the spinal cord into the postganglionic cells in the sympathetic chain, which then synapse onto the alpha-1, beta-1, and beta-2 receptors. The direct effect of central neuraxial blockade is to cause vasodilation, venodilation, and potentially hypo, um, potentially bradycardia uh, and decreased um, contractility if affecting the cardioaccelatory fibers. And there's also impairment of the compensatory mechanisms, which are neural and hormonal. So the um, and there's also impairment of the ability to increase catecholamine release from the adrenal medulla. Um, and cortex as well.